Chapter 8 of Brown Book of the Hitler Terror. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. Brown Book of the Hitler Terror by Lord Marley. Chapter 8, Part 2. Living Targets. These are a few of the cases which authorities have themselves made public. But this does not mean that thousands of similar acts of brutality have not taken place, although nothing is said of them. One day, in the middle of a Berlin street, the son of an attendant at a synagogue was attacked by a Nazi troop in the presence of his father. The lad was held by the Nazis, and one of them fired his revolver twice through the lad's right calf and twice through his left calf. The lad has now been in hospital for three months, and it is probable that he will be lame for life. A Case from the Provinces the following statement, which we have received, has been checked up by us in detail. It is typical of hundreds of similar reports which are in the possession of editors outside Germany, and also in the hands of many private individuals. Quote, in the little town of Niederstetten in Württemberg State, a small Jewish community has lived for centuries. Its members are for the most part merchants, who, as might be expected, insofar as they take any interest in politics, belong to the parties of the right rather than to the socialists or communists. Friendly relations existed until quite recently between the Christian and the Jewish sections of the population. A week before Easter, a Nazi detachment arrived in the town early one morning and occupied the town hall, also taking control of the police. Then the houses of the Jews were searched for communist documents, naturally without any result. In spite of this, ten Jews, all respected citizens, were taken to the town hall and there one by one taken to a room. Each of them was then gagged, thrown across a chair, and beaten with steel rods until he was practically unconscious. Then the victims, who could hardly stand, were taken to the council chamber and made to stand up against the wall, the wailing wall, as the Nazis called it. After they had been forced to give the fascist salute, they were allowed to leave the town hall. Most of them, however, were so weak after the ill treatment they had received that they had to be carried home by their relatives. All the victims were ill for some weeks, and one of them has lost his speech. It should be mentioned that the non-Jewish population of the town, most of whom had voted nationalist in the election of March 5th, were very indignant at what had taken place. An old peasant said, Hitler certainly would not have wanted this to be done. The old man apparently did not have a wireless, or else he would have known that these German men have only carried out what the leading people in Germany have broadcast as their aim in thundering speeches every evening. End of quote. The following appeal, issued by the Action Committee for Fighting Judah in Neustadt, was published in the local paper dated May 18, 1933. Quote, Our aim is to liberate Neustadt from Jews and servants of the Jews. We must lay this down once again in plain language in case the people who are affected by it have not yet understood it. If anyone still thinks that he can defend the Jews, in our eyes he is a scoundrel with whom we shall deal in the same way as we deal with the Jews. End of quote. In the Nazi Barracks K.W. of Berlin reports as follows on his experience in a Nazi barracks. Quote, a 26-year-old Jew was brought in with me. He told me later that he had been arrested on his motorcycle, although he had never paid any attention to politics and has never voted. First, his hair was cut off with nail scissors, and then the auxiliary police had a dispute as to who was to beat him. The auxiliary policeman who had brought him in said, I need not have brought the Jew in at all if I'm not going to be allowed to beat him. 
The other said, you're drunk, go and sleep it off. Most of the auxiliary police smelt strongly of alcohol. After that, the Jew was beaten up like the others with cowhide whips, steel rods, and rubber batons. Then a dagger was placed against his chest and he was told, now you are going to be stabbed to death. He was actually only scratched, and then he was told that he would be stabbed to death early the following morning. At a quarter to six, I was brought to trial. As they could produce nothing against me, I was taken to the sleeping hall, where about forty men were lying. I, myself, was only given a few kicks and blows with rubber batons. There was also what they called a murder cell. The three men who were in this cell had been beaten black from head to foot. At seven o'clock in the morning, the Nazi officer in charge arrived, and we were given breakfast, coffee, and dry bread. Then we were drilled in the courtyard, after we had been forced to say, Hail to our Chancellor Adolf Hitler. While we were being drilled, we had to sing Deutschland über alles and other similar songs. Then we were asked whether we would defend the fatherland if there was a war against Poland. We replied that we would. After that, we were asked what we would do if we were set free and whether we would join the Nazis, and to this we also replied in the affirmative. End of quote. Polish protests. We cite the following, which is one of many official announcements and protests made by foreign countries. Quote, Berlin, March 30th. The Polish ambassador in Berlin has lodged a protest with the German government against the persecution of Polish Israelites by Hitler's bands. The ambassador mentioned, among other cases, the following, which had occurred in Berlin. On March 4th, Herr Israel Weiss was taken from his flat and dragged off to a garage, where he was so brutally treated that he lost consciousness. After that, he was taken to the police station where he was kept until March 6th. While he was being assaulted, Hitler's followers took from him his passport and his ring, and he never recovered those. On March 6th, Herr A. L. Mittelmann was attacked and taken into a restaurant where he was very severely injured. As a result of his treatment, he is quite unable to work. In Chemnitz and Plauen, Hitler's followers have perpetrated terrible brutalities against the Jews. All the Polish Israelites who were arrested in Chemnitz were taken under guard through the town, being made to wash out all the inscriptions which had been written on the walls during the last election. A Polish citizen, Adalbert Daphner, was given 50 lashes with a riding whip, being forced after every blow to say thank you. Terrible cruelties were carried out against a number of Israelites in the prison at Plauen. End of quote. United States Complaints A message from Berlin dated March 9th states that the American ambassador has lodged a protest against the ill treatment of American citizens. He cites a number of cases which have occurred in Berlin alone in the course of a few days. Quote, in Berlin, many Jews, including some of American nationality, have been brutally treated. For example, an American citizen, Herr Max Schussler, who was the owner of a house and had secured the eviction from his house of a Nazi tenant, was visited by Nazis one night. In order to gain entry to his flat, they represented themselves to be police. Then they demanded that Herr Schussler should sign a declaration allowing the return of his National Socialist tenant. End of quote. Official Statement from Czechoslovakia The official press bureau announces under date of April 2nd, quote, In the hospital at Vonsdorf, four refugees from Germany who have been brutally treated are now lying. Last night at one o'clock they were taken from a place in Saxony, which is now a concentration camp, to another village not far from Vonsdorf, being accompanied by 12 Nazis. They were four Jews, one of whom is an Austrian citizen, two being Poles and the fourth having no nationality. A hundred yards from the frontier near Vornsdorf, the four men were taken out of the lorry and beaten up until they were covered with blood, 
and when they ran towards the frontier of Czechoslovakia, shots were fired after them. All four are seriously injured. One of them, in addition to other wounds, has a serious fracture of the skull and is unconscious. It must be noted that two of them had been settled in Leipzig for 25 years, where they were in business, and the other two had been 12 years in Dresden. It is announced from Germany that the refugees had refused to leave Germany, and had conducted themselves in an offensive manner to the guards who were accompanying them. End of quote. At the frontier, the following message comes from Prague. Quote, the Berlin-Athens Express, which every day brings several hundred people to Prague, arrived there an hour late on April 1st, and with only three passengers. The passengers made depositions, which they signed before a notary, regarding what had happened in Dresden. At the station in Dresden, a cordon of Nazis had been drawn up on both sides of the train, and another detachment came through the compartments giving the order, Jews, out of the train. All Jewish passengers, including foreigners, were forced to leave the train. After this, the passports of the other passengers on the train were examined, and they were also forced to get out. They were forced to line up on the platform, and then they were ordered to march. The column of passengers, guarded by Nazis, went off towards the exit from the station. After this, nothing more has been heard of them. They included many women and children. End of quote. Another report runs as follows. Quote, the National Socialists even come on to Czechoslovakian territory and promise a reward for any refugees who can be brought on to German territory under any pretext. The reward promised for an ordinary refugee is 100 crowns. For a Jewish refugee, however, the amount is 200 crowns. These facts have been certified by the Czechoslovakian authorities. End of quote. The following laconic announcement from Warsaw throws further light on the position of refugees. Quote, Warsaw, March 15th. 48 Jewish families from Germany, consisting in all of 150 persons, have crossed the frontier of East Prussia and taken refuge in Poland. There were terrible scenes at the frontier, the refugees being horribly ill-treated by the German frontier guards. They were beaten and kicked and everything they had with them was taken from them by the guards. End of quote. The chief rabbi of France issues a statement. In connection with the denials issued by the German authorities, the chief rabbi of France has issued the following statement in connection with the anti-Semitic excesses in Germany. Quote, I am unfortunately compelled to say that the statements regarding atrocities are absolutely correct. We have evidence that cannot be disputed and also photographic documents. Do not think that we believe what we are told by refugees without further examination. We have ways of checking up on their statements. We are in possession of documents which have come to us from an absolutely reliable source, which I am not able to name. I can, however, say that some of these documents have an official character and have been prepared by foreign governments. The incidents in question are not cases of simple abuse, but cruel persecutions which have created victims and martyrs. If we are compelled to publish these documents, we shall do so. The conscience of the world, the chief rabbi continues, is deeply troubled and is horrified at the revival of barbarism which the anti-Semitism of the Nazis represents. In the name of humanity and civilization, the whole world protests with us. It fears that the restoration of world peace will be endangered through these new attacks of brutal force against right. End of quote. The correspondent of the English Manchester Guardian has made an extremely detailed and objective report published April 8, 1933, which is certainly not colored either by love or by hatred of National Socialism, but only by a human horror of brutality. Quote, the samples of outrages committed by brown shirts since the elections make it more evident than ever that the terror has been much worse than was at first believed. 
the british french and american press so far from exaggerating it as the german press complains has understated the truth although this is natural enough seeing that only a small fraction of the truth is accessible the terror seems to have been worst of all worse even than in berlin in Kassel, in silesia where highness who was imprisoned on a charge of manslaughter and released by an amnesty is in charge of the brown shirts in worms and in many villages a precise account of what has happened in the villages of oberhessen alone during the last four weeks would make a terrible story but it is impossible to establish more than a few cases inquiry being made difficult by the general fear not only of reprisals but also of imprisonment a few days ago a man was sentenced to a year's imprisonment for spreading the false rumor that a jew had been hanged by the brown shirts the rumor as a matter of fact was true the jew a certain mr blank was beaten by brown shirts and hanged by his feet so that his head was suspended off the ground when the brown shirts had finished with him he was dead any german who dare say a true word about the terror in his own country runs the risk of a fearful beating or long imprisonment or even death and no one can reasonably be expected to run such a risk but as one of the victims of the terror said to your correspondent today it is impossible to remain silent even under threats there is no reason why opinion in england and the united states should be hoodwinked and it is necessary to point out that letters or statements by german jewish or republican organizations or societies saying that the terror has been exaggerated are products of fear and intimidation and are therefore altogether unworthy of credence thousands upon thousands of germans have only one wish to get out of the country but the frontiers are being closed by the new passport regulations and escape is impossible except at great risk thus all germany is being converted into a huge prison end of quote einstein's appeal we will end this section with the appeal issued by professor einstein after he had been driven out of germany Professor Einstein arrived at Havre on March 27th on the steamer Belgianland. He was met by a delegation of the International League Against Antisemitism and gave the following statement written by his own hand. Quote, the actual facts of brutal force and oppression against every free-minded person and against the Jews, the facts of what has taken place and is still taking place in Germany, have fortunately aroused the conscience of every country which remains true to the ideals of humanity and political freedom all friends of our civilization which is so seriously menaced should concentrate all their efforts in order to rid the world of this psychological disease End of quote. the boycott a defensive movement from its early days national socialism has made use of the method of representing itself as attacked persecuted and menaced the political terror which has been organized by hitler has always worked hand in hand with organized lies the boycott against jewish business concerns and the special acts against german jews of which we will speak later give the best examples of the combined use of these methods the national socialists might have said it is in accord with our program and with the demands which we have been making for many years that the jews in germany should be completely wiped out but what did the nazis actually do by way of justifying their boycott of jewish shops they cried out we have been attacked the jews are trying to destroy us what we are doing is in self-defense. This organized boycott was therefore called a defensive movement. The boycott manifesto, which was posted up everywhere, runs as follows. Quote, Men and women of the German nation, the people who are guilty of this crime, this despicable atrocity campaign, are the Jews in Germany. They have called to their fellows abroad to fight against the German people. It is they who have issued lying statements and abuse. 
For that reason, the leaders of the German movement of liberation have decided, by way of defense against this criminal campaign, to impose a boycott on all Jewish businesses, shops, etc., as from 10 o'clock in the morning of April 1, 1933. We call on you, German men and women, to make this boycott effective. Do not buy from Jewish businesses and shops. Do not go to Jewish lawyers. Have nothing to do with Jewish doctors. Show the Jews that they cannot go unpunished if they humiliate and dishonor Germany. Anyone who opposes this manifesto thereby proves that he is on the side of the enemies of Germany. End of quote. On March 28th, the national leaders of the National Socialist Party published a manifesto to all party organizations in which the German Jews are accused of having started the atrocity campaign against the national government of Germany. The 11 points of the program. On the same day, the famous 11 points for carrying through the boycott were published. We give them verbatim below. 1. In each local group and section of the National Socialist Party, Action committees must be formed at once for the practical and systematic carrying out of the boycott of Jewish shops, Jewish goods, Jewish doctors, and Jewish lawyers. The action committees are responsible for seeing that the boycott does not harm any innocent person, but that it hits all the harder all those who are guilty. 2. The action committees are responsible for protecting all foreigners without regard to their religion or race. The boycott is a purely defensive measure, and it is exclusively directed against German Jews. 3. The action committees must immediately popularize the boycott by propaganda and explanatory statements. The principle of the boycott is that no German should buy from any Jew or be served by any Jew or his assistants. The boycott must be general. It must be carried out by the whole people and must hit Judah in its most sensitive spot. 4. In cases of doubt, the boycott of businesses must be postponed, pending a decision from the Central Committee in Munich. 5. The Action Committees must closely watch the newspapers from the standpoint of how far they take part in the Enlightenment campaign of the German people against the atrocity campaign of the Jews. If the newspapers do not do this, or only do it to a limited extent, steps must be taken to see that they are immediately prevented from reaching any house in which Germans live. No German man and no German business must give them advertisements. They must be given to understand that they incur only public contempt and that they are written for people of Jewish race but not for Germans. 6. The action committees must carry into the factories their propaganda of enlightenment as to the consequences to German labor of the Jewish atrocity campaign, and they must explain to the workers that the national boycott was necessary as a protective measure on behalf of German labor. 7. The action committees must carry their activities into the smallest villages in order to strike particularly at the Jewish traders in the countryside. 8. The boycott must not be introduced gradually, but at a single blow. All preparatory measures must therefore be taken immediately with this in view. Instructions must be given to the storm troops to post pickets to warn the population against entering Jewish shops from the moment when the boycott begins. This will be April 1st punctually at 10 o'clock in the morning. It will be carried on until instructions are received from the party leadership. 9. The action committees must immediately popularize at thousands of mass meetings, which must reach even the smallest village, the demand that Jews shall only be admitted to every profession in proportion to the number of Jews in the community. In order to make this action more effective, the demand should at first be restricted to three sections. A. Students in the intermediate schools and universities. B. The medical profession. C. The legal profession. 
10. The action committees are furthermore charged to see that every German who has any connection whatever with people in other countries should make use of this, in letters, telegrams, and telephonic communications, to spread the truth that peace and order reign in Germany, that the German people has no more ardent wish than to continue its work in peace and to live in peace with the rest of the world, and that its fight against the Jewish atrocity campaign is purely defensive. 11. The action committees are responsible for seeing that the whole fight is carried out absolutely peacefully and with the strictest discipline. Henceforth, no Jew must have even a hair of his head harmed. We must finish with this atrocity campaign purely through the effectiveness of the measures outlined above. This manifesto was accompanied by a long-winded explanation, each word of which was evidence of a bad conscience. The explanation concluded with the words, National Socialists, on Saturday at 10 o'clock, the Jews will know who it is that they are fighting. The Lords of the Third Empire appointed to take charge of this defensive action a man named Julius Stryker, the editor of a newspaper called Der Sturmer. The outside world will not know what sort of paper this is, although from time to time its circulation runs into hundreds of thousands. For his services in editing this, Herr Stryker has been appointed commissioner in charge of the boycott movement. Herr Stryker had hardly taken up his post when he gave an interview to the press at a conference of national journalists on March 30th. In the course of this interview, he said, quote, I shall not hesitate to prohibit by force the holding of divine service by the German Jews, or to prevent them from gaining entry to the synagogues by the use of armed storm troops. The stone has now begun to roll. Whether the atrocity propaganda ceases or not makes no difference. This foreign propaganda against Hitler has given us the opportunity which we welcome, and the action will be carried through. It would be a complete illusion to imagine that the Nazis will allow themselves to be held back. End of quote. He, Stryker, was completely satisfied with the way things had developed. His only care in the past week had been to see that the war of destruction against the Jews did not weaken. Quote, had this happened, this is my firm conviction, the national revolution would have collapsed owing to its own weakness. This danger has now finally been averted, and the German people can trust in me to carry out the whole of the necessary work in connection with the Jews. End of quote. Preparations for the boycott. Incitements to Jew-baiting were systematically developed during the last few days before the boycott. An example of this was the speech given by the newly appointed chief of police in Frankfurt, reported in the Frankfurter Volksblatt of March 30th. Quote, no Nazi will have anything to do with a Jew, because he knows that the Jew is of inferior race, and I am no longer going to permit animals born on German soil to be killed by the sadistic Asiatic methods of slaughter used by the Jews. If the Jew cannot eat our meat, then let him eat potatoes and turnips as you did in the hungry winters of the war. Germany is awake. You Jews, you have no need to tremble. We shall remain legal, so legal that perhaps legality will be uncomfortable for you, and then you can go to Palestine and fleece each other. End of quote. The instructions from the Nazi leaders issued in a steady stream. Action committees were set up everywhere, and they were given the task of ascertaining which shops, stores, lawyers' offices, etc., were in the hands of Jews. The Central Committee for the Boycott of Jewish Concerns laid down the following principles for action. Quote, the action committees must hand over to the storm troops the list of shops which have been ascertained to be Jewish, in order that these may be picketed from 10 o'clock on the morning of Saturday, April 1st, 1933. The pickets are charged with informing the public that the shops at which they are posted are Jewish. They are forbidden to take any physical measures of restraint. 
they are also forbidden to close the shop in order to make it clear which shops are jewish posters or placards with yellow spots on a black ground must be posted at the entrance doors the jewish shops which are boycotted must not dismiss their non-jewish employees and workers or give them notice the action committees in agreement with the political leaders of the district must organize mass demonstrations and processions in all areas on friday evening on the saturday morning at ten o'clock at latest the posters of the boycott proclamation must be put up on all advertising spaces at the same time lorries or better still furniture vans must be driven through the streets with posters bearing the following words in the order given in defense against the jewish atrocity and boycott campaign boycott all jewish shops don't buy from jewish stores don't go to jewish lawyers avoid jewish doctors the jews are our bane the committees must organize collections in the german shops to finance this movement of defense End of quote. during the days preceding april first the following announcement was posted on all advertisement spaces throughout germany quote, the jews have time to reflect until saturday morning at ten o'clock then the fight begins the jews of the whole world are trying to destroy germany german people defend yourselves don't buy from the jews End of quote. several of the government departments also issued instructions as to the measures which were to be taken in connection with the boycott all sections of the nazi organization also issued detailed instructions there was no party official who failed to take the opportunity to make himself important by issuing an instruction of some kind treatment of judges an eyewitness has given us the following report Quote, on friday march thirty first an extraordinary scene took place in front of the high court in cologne nazi lads forced their way into the court buildings and dragged out the jewish lawyers and judges then these were put into a refuse cart and made the laughing stock of the crowd many of the lawyers and judges were still wearing their robes the police looked on without interfering the cart was then taken to the main police station which is a considerable distance from the court the official report which is an absolute lie was as follows in cologne members of the nazi storm troop in conjunction with the police arrested a number of jewish judges and lawyers for their personal safety as a large crowd had collected in front of the law courts End of quote. the boycott had a limit namely at the point when it endangered profit in effect all these measures only hurt the jewish middle class and working class but not the big jewish capitalists and when it was a question of trade with foreigners all prejudice and race hatred had to fall into the background and the jews were not treated as sub-men or world pests but only as extremely welcome paying guests here is a report published in the frankfurter zeitung quote weisbaden may thirty first up to the present this year the number of visitors has fallen below expectations the number of foreign visitors during the first week of may which is always the height of the season for Weisbaden, was 1,744, and in the festival week following it rose only to 1,808, falling again to 1,760 in the third week. The total number of visitors up to the middle of May has only been 27,000. It is therefore in the interests of this health resort that the local magistrates, the directors of the courthouse, and the national district leaders should make it known to everyone concerned both in the country and abroad that the mineral springs of weisbaden are as before available without hindrance to all visitors from all countries and that peace and order have never been disturbed in this town the authorities of weisbaden should feel their responsibility both to the population and also to foreign visitors 
and should guarantee to all who are either permanently in Weisbaden or make a temporary stay there, without regard to their religion or political outlook, a secure and pleasant visit. End of quote. End of chapter 8, part 2. Recording by Colleen McMahon.